Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. First, it's free. How much better does it get? Second, there's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Third, Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and wherever your audience is tuning in, your podcast will be there. Fourth, you can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. Look at us. We have less than 100 listeners per episode, yet we still make money on ads. Granted, it's not a lot, but we still make money. And finally, it's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. So download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm. That's anchor, the thing you throw off your boat, .fm to get started. Another edition of the JMU Sports News Podcast. I'm Bennett Conlon, joined by Jack Fitzpatrick. We're talking about a JMU victory, a 58-point win. We're still going to pick some nits because that is what week one is all about. Yeah, 100% is. Last year it was talking about the offense. This year it's going to be about the secondary. Um, But Bennett, you did say you would be severely disappointed if JMU didn't score 100 points. They only scored 68. So are you severely disappointed? So here's the thing. Yes and no. Maybe a little bit, but 51 second half points, which I think 51 is like a record and a half or, or a second half or something, some sort of record. And then they also scored a touchdown up 51 with eight seconds left, which was <laughs> completely unnecessary. I love it. I, so, I was watching the game and like in the fourth quarter, I was in and out kind of like I was working too. So I wasn't fully paying attention. And I saw it was Patrick Bentley, right? Like a four yard yeah. rush. He like fell in and I was like and I was like, okay, there must be like ten minutes left in the fourth quarter. There must be a lot of time. Racky goes to kick the field goal and I see in the bottom right corner four seconds. And I was like, they, do we they really score? They really like wow, good for them. You know, just keep <laughs> it going. I don't understand why, but I love that they were still running plays until the game. I mean, just the fact that they scored I mean, they scored what? Yeah, it was 51 second half points. So, I mean, they were kind of just pouring it on there in the second half. And we'll get into a, a little bit. But the first half was disappointing. Kurt Zagetti kind of gave some coach speak, and some of it was overreacting. He called the first half embarrassing. Um, I don't – like, it wasn't embarrassing. Like, they didn't play their best. But to think, like, to think anyone was should be embarrassed, I think, was a little strong. I loved his postgame comments. He came out and this was just completely – I think he was pissed. He was very upset. He said something else that made me, like, laugh. Do you remember? what It was one of his first things he said. It was after, like, the first half was embarrassing. He said something else. He said, I think at some point disgusted was used. Either recent, It was either – it might have been today or a different day. With like, Corey Heatherman would have been, like, was disgusted with the defensive performance, and they gave up 10 points, and, like, the touchdown came and the backups were in. But it was just kind of a comical – press conference because he <laughs> comes out after a 58 point win where they scored a touchdown with eight seconds left and he's like yeah it's not happening. that first half was embarrassing I have, I have to find it i know i texted it it was an electric press 
reading our we've been reading our press clippings too much that was yes I remember. <laughs> that was i love when coaches are like we fed into our we fed into our own hype because we were texting throughout the game and the first half it looked like they didn't like respect Moorhead state at all and Moorhead state came out like with their butts on fire quick screen quick passes right to the outside get it to the boundary get a couple guys blocking pick up seven yards pick up 15 yards get a pi pick up seven yards and jamie just had nothing and like was unable to do anything to stop it. And it, it did, it did come across early on in that game that JMU was not taking more headsets seriously. And then, you know, the second they did, they put up 51 points. Yeah. I mean, it wasn't the best execution. The first half could have been better. They like went for it on downs in the red zone. and didn't get it at one point and, and kind of struggled a little bit, but like, I don't know. I mean, overall, I thought they were, they were fine. There's certainly some stuff to look at, but it was, I thought it was funny the way they came out. We're like, yeah, that's, that's not what we want to be. And it's a spot that they kind of can overlook them and win by 60. Like, like as much as you got to be like, yeah, we got to respect the opponent. Like Moorhead state had negative 57 rushing yards. Yeah. That, I mean, it's just <laughs> insane. Like they move the ball. Well, especially in the first half through yeah. the air, like there's no denying that they even moved the ball pretty well. I think it was in the third quarter. They put up almost a hundred yards in the third quarter through the air, but what killed them was I think, two interceptions in the third that like stopped every drive and was just drive killers. Um, but I mean, they had to move the ball somehow because literally like, I, I guess that's what we expected though, out of this defensive line, even without, even without Mike green, I mean, they still minus even for a non-scholarship team. What did they put up last year? They must've put up positive number rushing yards last year. I will look this up because that's a phenomenal question because they did not score points. They didn't score a point, but they had to have had positive rushing yards last year. But people – I saw on Twitter some people were worried about the defensive line. It wasn't looking as dominant as, you know, we had gone into the season expecting. I think that had to do with, especially in the first half, the secondary – like you have to give the defensive line time, at least a second or two, to get to the quarterback. And the secondary was not allowing a second or two. It was catch the shotgun snap, hit the receiver, and then let's move the ball. I think you figured out the rushing yards from last season and I'm ready to hear it in the spring. They had negative six. Damn. All right. Well, I mean, they went, they went backwards. They, they, yards, <laughs> they so, I mean, that's not good. Yeah. It's, that's kind of incredible. They obviously didn't have the same level of success passing. They only had 104 passing yards. So they, I guess they didn't even get a hundred total yards <laughs> in the spring, <laughs> but they came out. I mean, they played them recently. They, they assume came in with a better game plan. They return a lot too. So for them to come out against the JMU team, maybe overlooking them is, is fine. It cracks me up with the defensive line too. Like, like they didn't live up to expectations, <laughs> negative 57 rushing yards. It's people kind of expect them to get a sack, like every play. And that's yeah. just not how it works. And it's also like the expectations for that defensive line. I mean, we even fed into it. Like mm -hmm. you're, you have Mike green, arguably the best player in the FCS. And we didn't know he was going to be out. I don't think a lot of, I think it was kind of a shock that he was not dressed. I also, I also think that was kind of, indicative of how they were taking the team Mike Green could have played from everything yes. that I was reading and if it was Maine he would have played but it was yeah. Morehead State so they didn't play him but without him in the lineup they still yeah minus 57 rushing yards they still I think they forced a fumble at one point they were in the backfield every play and the secondary just at times wouldn't give him time to you know finish out a sack or something like that yeah, I mean, I thought they did some nice things defensively, and, and maybe the story of the game kind of was the people who didn't play 
I mean, you had MJ Hampton, who they reported today when we're recording, he'll be out at least another couple of weeks. So it does not sound like he'll play against Weaver State, which is kind of a big deal um, at safety. Um, Green should be healthy pretty soon. Uh, at Rover, please, please refer oh, to him. Sorry, at Rover. Um, who else? Mike Green um, should be back soon, as you mentioned. Percy Ajay Obase should be back soon at running back. Um, and then Liam Fornano got hurt in the game, and he's probably out for the season in offensive line. Yeah, Tyler Stevens will step in, the redshirt freshman, 6'6", 290. You lose a little bit of size with Stevens. Um, but he did step in last season when Fornado got hurt, and he, he played very well. Good so player. I'm not too – I'm more – I guess we can kind of segue into Fernando. I'm not too hurt for the team with losing Fernando. I'm really hurt for Fernando himself. It just sucks that he's – yeah, I mean, like he's a guy who for years has been talked about as an NFL prospect, so then to have him – get hurt in the spring and get hurt now it it obviously hurts those chances and it sucks for him yeah and yeah he came back for this year to put another great year on tape he may have been you know a late round draft pick or definitely kind of like a rondell guy where you're an undrafted free agent the second the draft ends he would have been that type of guy real shot at making a practice squad making a 53 man and now you don't even know if he gets a shot injury prone he's old yeah, it's a, big time injury. It's a knee injury, which is tough to come back from for an offense, especially a right tackle or a left tackle. I mean, it, it sucks for, for, for Nottle for sure. JMU's offensive line will be fine. It just sucks for him. Yeah. Anytime that happens to, to anyone, it, it stinks, but especially someone who probably had a decent shot to make a whole bunch of money in the NFL. So hopefully you can get better and maybe find a way to, to sort of get in front of NFL scouts um, at some point and, and still have an opportunity. So, that's a tough blow for sure. Um, I mean, that's certainly one of the bigger stories from the game. But yeah, like like you were saying, I still think the offensive line is going to be okay, um, especially because they haven't had him for a while now. Like he played in this game, but he didn't play in the spring. Um, so they, they kind of know what they're doing. I guess the issue is they also don't have Truvel Wilson and Raymond Gillespie this year. So there's yeah, a little bit less Yeah, they don't have those guys. But they have Tyshawn Watt, you know, the 335-pound monster. Cole Potts, JT Timming, who's an old head. And Nick Kidwell, who's also kind of an older guy. Well, he's a redshirt sop. I mean, everyone's a redshirt, whatever they – Right. He's a junior. Yeah, so they still have some guys. I think they'll be all right in that position for sure. Um, is there a quarterback controversy in Harrisonburg? Billy Atkins came in and kind of balled out. I'm joking 100%. Cole Johnson tied a program record with five touchdowns, a lot of yards. You have a hot take that I want you to share on this podcast because last time you shared this type of take, it came true. It was uh, CA Offensive Player of the Week. I think he's got a decent chance to win CA Offensive Player of the Year just because they have so many receivers and so many talented guys that he's going to get the ball to. I feel like the receivers are going to really split stats, but he's going to be maybe the beneficiary of it. And I think yeah. if you win the league, it puts you in a pretty big advantage in terms of having a shot to win that award too. Yeah. 19 of 28, 298 yards, five touchdowns. Targeted Thornton and Antoine Wells a few times. They both accounted for – well, Thornton had two touchdowns. Wells had a touchdown. Wells looked really good. Thornton looked speed – like, Thornton's speed just jumped off the screen. Maybe it's because yeah. they're playing Moorhead State. Um, and I don't know how much his speed will come into play against Maine. But he is a true speedster. Kevin Curry Jr., um, just looking down. Scott Bracey, not as big of a game. He had 26 yards, and 22 of them came on one catch. Yeah, it's going to be really interesting to see how they like divvy up the catches this year. We kind of talked about how we thought Thornton might have a huge year, 
just because like all the attention on Wells, like we've talked about that before and yeah. kind of feel like that came true a little bit. Um, obviously it's one game, but he was able to get open a lot. Wells, uh, some of his catches came kind of later. His first catch was like a five-yard touchdown. Um, so use him in the red zone where he's pretty good. And they also have a billion tight ends who are all able to get the ball. They got Painter, Cheatham, uh, and Noah Turner all had a catch in the game. And then Van Horse feels like every time he touches it, great things happen. And JMU has like this rule where he can only touch it four times a game. Or <laughs> yeah. Well, how many catches did he have? One? He had three and two went for touchdowns. Three. Okay. And, and then he had three rushes. He had three attempts for 15 <laughs> yards and right. no touchdowns, but an 11 yard run. Like, so. I just like when he gets the ball. He just seems like good things happen. Yeah. You know who else? <laughs> good things happen when they touch the ball. Is this your Latrell Palmer take? This is the Latrell. I mean, it's not a take. I've been very transparent with it from the jump. He's just so much fun. He gets the ball in his hands and he's going to find the end zone. What a 50 yard touchdown run. He had two touchdowns. I'm looking, I'm going to cheat and look Yeah, two touchdowns, nine attempts for a hundred yards. He averaged 10.9 yards a carry. That's insane. He had a very solid game. He's a very good player. I'm interested to see how they split up. Cause I was also impressed with Kalon black. He oh, was really good. He, got, he was good. He got a hundred yards. They kind of worked in Lorenzo Bryant Jr., which probably won't happen a lot, but he was basically got the ball and tried to find a linebacker to run over as soon as he touched it. Like, I mean, they got some fun running backs. Austin Douglas is good. Like, when Percy comes back, how are they going to split those carries? Yeah, because I, mean, I, I, I mean, had 12, Latrell nine, Peyton Rutherford even had three, Lorenzo Bryant Jr., seven, Austin Douglas, five, Van Horst, three. You're probably going to get at least 20 to Percy and then I would imagine <laughs> Kalon gets like five and Latrell gets like five that would make sense so it's going to be yeah I'm interested to see kind of the the split of everything because this really felt like a glorified preseason scrimmage or something like it, it didn't feel like a game I don't know no, no just... not at all I mean leading up to it I got, I forgot I, I tuned in at six like oh four <laughs> I forgot the game was happening and I looked up and I was like even though the whole damn like six o'clock they're gonna play six but then when six o'clock rolled around you're like oh that's right they're playing I mean the offense was elite I, I don't throw around that word a lot but like they were elite yeah I mean they're really good like they and they seem like they are because Cole like when Cole throws a good ball it just looks so nice like him throwing an accurate deep ball is very fun to watch and I yeah. thought he was he was awesome in command of the offense. The receivers are like, we've talked about this before, but they're, they're just really good. Like most teams do not have receivers that are this good and the running backs are good. So if the offensive line is somewhat competent and healthy, I feel like they're going to score a lot of points. Yeah. It is kind of funny though, coming into the season. I think we talked about this with chase. The offensive line was the one position you're like, they can't have injuries because they're so thin. And then the first game, a, <laughs> devastating injury not ideal <laughs> not ideal at all was there any other injuries that came out of that game i want to say that was at least the big one i don't know if there are any others that i noticed yeah outside of just mj hampton and mike green just not playing mike green will yeah. most likely be back i think he's on the two deep for this week um yeah i would expect him and, and percy to both suit up yeah uh, i think both of them could have played week one against moorhead state but part they, of part of why I got the preseason vibe was like, <laughs> like oh, we're resting our starters. <laughs> like, <laughs> Honestly, I'm, oh. I'm very surprised how long Cole went. 
Cole was in there until like third quarter, like midway through the third quarter. Like they had put up like yeah points in the third quarter, and Cole had was still out there. I think some of it was the anger with the first half, as he really wanted the Signetti wanted the guys to to get going, but they did big time in the the uh, second half, obviously. And I thought the special teams were decent. Like I thought they made some some fine plays, and looks like they have some potential there. There's like speed on the kickoff return. Um, I mean, they. I don't know. There's not a whole lot that I thought was like bad. Although I, I am really interested to see the secondary against better teams, but we've yeah. talked about this offline. Um, there's not really like a, like the CAA team is a CAA is kind of like a weird, like FCS big 10 kind of thing. where like play a lot of defense and they run the ball. Right. It's like really tough. Like the best teams are, are tough and gritty. And then you've got like one speed team, the Ohio state, which is JMU. And then no one else can ever seem to match that. So I'm like, there's no quarterback in this say that like frightens me. Yeah. Except Nolan Henderson. But I mean, Delaware is very hesitant. It seems to like, let him loose. Like he's clearly one of the best players in the CAA. And yet they want to run the ball 50 times when they have an all CAA caliber player, like holding the ball and they want to give Mm -hmm. it to someone else every play. Um, so Wesley McCormick's listed on the two deep, so he should be returning this week, which is a huge, huge boost because I think a big problem, and this is no offense to Greg Ross or Taurus Carroll, but I think Wesley McCormick is pivotal. Like McCormick is the number one corner. And like yeah. having Greg Ross cover the number one guy and then Taurus Carroll, who's mm-hmm. normally like a slot guy, cover the second guy. And then having Jamari Currents and I'm trying to look and, you know, Jordan Swan as guys that are playing pivotal roles in a lot of minutes, that's, I think, what happened with the secondary. Like, MJ Hampton's a big loss, but MJ Hampton's not, like, a number one cover guy. Like, he plays Rover for right. a reason. He's, he's, gonna, he's, he's a good hitter. He's a good coverage guy, but he's not, like, an elite safety. Um, so bringing Wesley McCormick back, that's going to improve the, the secondary a lot. But then again, who is Maine? We don't know Maine. They didn't score for three of the four quarters, and the one quarter they scored, it was 24 points. That gives me Sam Houston State vibes. Yeah, they had a really weird game against Delaware. Delaware got up 17 nothing, and I was like, wow, the Blue Hens. And then by halftime, Delaware was trailing, and I was like, oh, no, the, <laughs> wow, Blue, the Hens. Blue Hens. And then they won by 10. I was like, ah, oh, there they are. <laughs> it really didn't make any sense. But they hit a couple, like, long touchdown passes that got things going. They got a little lucky. They had, you know – what was it, 14 points or 10 points, I guess, in the final. I guess, sorry, it was 17 points in the final, like, three minutes of the first half. They had a blocked punt that went for a touchdown. So, like, that obviously helps. But I'm, I'm interested a little bit because they made some nice plays through the air. Their, their quarterback threw for 300 yards and couldn't run the ball at all against Delaware. But they had decent passing going. They seem like they're an okay team. People expect them to be good. Are you worried at all about this game? Because they do have, they got Weber State next week. Could be a little look-ahead spot. I don't, so I've, I've heard some people talking about, like, could it be a look-ahead? No, because if we're being honest, the Weber State game is more, like, is a fan's game. Like, we're hyped for it. It means a lot. But at the end of the day, Jamie wants to win the conference. So this main game, in my opinion, is more important than the Weber State game. A loss out of conference, it hurts. It hurts your at-large. It hurts It hurts your, you know, what's it called? Poll ranking. Um, but a loss in conference is a lot more detrimental to your end-of-season, like, hopes than an out-of-conference loss. So to me, I think Coach Signetti 
is probably relaying that fairly well to the team. And I mean, they, they haven't really had a look ahead game. Like they haven't had, they haven't laid an egg like that in a while. Um, probably the last time they had a game where they laid an egg, I would say was Elon with, actually it was Colgate, Never mind. But it was during the Mike Houston era. Colgate was a big time look ahead. <laughs> yeah. Um, it was looking ahead for Mike Houston, looking ahead to ECU. And it was a big time look ahead for JMU looking ahead to North Dakota state. Um, so, but I don't, but to, to, to get to the point to answer it, I know I don't think they're going to look ahead. Do you? I thought there was, well, coming into it, I thought maybe, and then the way you described it, I'm now thinking it'll be less of a look ahead. I think the first half against Moorhead State where Signetti put all the stuff about how it was embarrassing, talks about reading their press clippings, and their press clippings now are going to be Signetti quotes saying they were embarrassing in the first half. So, like, I think he's doing that intentionally a little bit to kind of motivate them. I think they'll be more locked in to start the game. My other thing is, like, I don't think Maine's that good. Like, I think they're a decent team. They're yeah. obviously better than Moorhead State. But, like, they had a weird blip where they, like, hit two bombs and got a blocked punt. And yeah. other than that, Delaware smacked them in their building. So, like, to me, I think they're going to kind of come come down a little bit and struggle. Also, horrible way to open the season for them. Delaware and JMU, that's just nightmarish for a team, <laughs> like, scrapping for a playoff berth. Yeah, I feel for them. Um, Corey Heatherman also used to be their defensive coordinator, now is a defensive coordinator here. So bring some knowledge of what they're going to be. Actually, probably not a lot because they have a new head coach. Um, if this was in Maine, it's kind of a different story yeah. too because we all know in the up there, JMU tends to you know struggle a little bit, like against New Hampshire. Um, also, as we're talking about like the secondary struggles, but the defensive line is great. We talk a little bit offline about this. I'm not worried about a secondary struggle as much as I'm worried about a defensive line struggling because in the FCS, you're not facing mm -hmm. top tier quarterbacks. You're not facing the Bryce Youngs, the Spencer Rattlers, the like those Heisman favorites. You're facing no offense to this is going to come across so mean. You're facing an accountant in four years. Like <laughs> They aren't going to be 100% on deep, wide-open balls. So if your secondary gets burned, you know, 40% of the time, that doesn't spell a touchdown 40% of the time. Where a, a bad defensive line that's porous and allows 200 yards a game, that's where I get the worry. Yeah, I'm inclined to agree with that. I don't think there's anyone over – I mean, there are some quarterbacks that are pretty good, like Schmidt at, at Sam Houston, obviously. Yeah, is really talented. but they're not facing him until the playoffs. And so I won't be worried until it's, you yes. know – and they're they're probably won't even play in the first two weekends of right. the playoffs. <laughs> We're talking about like semifinal concerns. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And like, and right now they can figure it out. And I also would rather have an elite FCS offense. Granted, you need a. We've seen it with Sam Houston, who has an elite offense for all those years and a terrible defense, and they would end up losing early. But at the end of the day, like you want an offense that can put up forty points more so than you want a defense that can hold it a team to ten. In my yeah. opinion, I think scoring is a big deal and, and helpful. I still think the defense will be good too. Like oh yeah, no, there's no quite. They're going to you know hold teams to probably under 15 points a game. They just might allow 250 yards through the air. Yeah. So with three turnovers, I mean they're a feast or famine secondary. Like that's also something. Like mm -hmm. they put up 91. Morehead State put up 91 yards in the third quarter, but they also threw two interceptions that halted any drives and they didn't score. They scored a touchdown in the third, right? I think so, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, that's a big thing, right? If you can create turnovers, get the ball back, that's a big deal. So I thought overall 
it was a pretty solid performance, especially with the way the second half went. So I'm excited to see what they do against Maine. I really am excited for this six-game stretch, the Maine, Weber State, bye week, New Hampshire, Villanova, Richmond, Delaware. I think it'll be some good tests. And after that, the schedule looks really, 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 really weak. So uh, interested to see how they do the next couple of weeks. I think Maine will provide a little more of a test. And I think Weber State's going to have a good football team. Weber State didn't start the quarterback that we thought they were going to start. We were wrong. Yeah, they got that redshirt freshman that they're pretty high on who played decently. They gave Utah a run for a little bit. There was like a weather delay. They took a kickoff back early. Utah's a pretty good team, so they hung in there decently well, I thought. Good for them. Great for them. we got to talk about some of these. we got to at least mention some of those FCS, uh, these like national title contenders who are picking up some some big-time wins. Montana beat Washington. UC Davis grabbed a – who did UC Davis? They beat Tulsa, which was like in the AAC championship game a year ago. And look, man, I think if they beat those teams, they need to be number one. No ifs, ands, or buts. They need to be – and Montana's, what, like four? Yeah, it's – the polls are fascinating in terms of how people view it because, uh, I don't know, the year JMU beat Virginia Tech, I don't think they even made the playoffs. So, there is uh, – there's a lot more to a season, but some good wins. I was also – South Dakota State is legit. They blew out Colorado State in that quarterback transfer from uh, Samford. Oh, my God. The Jackrabbits are awesome. I'm really I'm, very high on them. I'm so sorry. I just went down a, <laughs> a complete rabbit hole where uh, I think our old Dobo, director of basketball yeah. operations during the row, yeah, <laughs> during the row era, is now an assistant coach at Maine for basketball. And it was just a real, like, he was just staring at me on the front page of their website. That's a, uh, that adds a little juice to this game, I'd say. <laughs> Honestly, I mean, that, <laughs> that, this rivalry didn't need more juice, but this gave it to it. Speaking about the Jackrabbits, they are good. They're going to be fun. They're, they might be national championship contenders. They I might be they better do. than North Dakota State. I think I don't they might know. be the best team in the country, man. They're, they're something. Who else had a good week? That, oh, Southern Illinois is sneaky good. Keep an eye on them. The Saluki. Holy Cross is sneaky good. Holy let's not, let's not oh. go off the back. UConn. I have – I actually – they are a team <laughs> I would not like to see early in the playoffs. Like, they're very Colgate when Colgate is good. Like, yeah. the perfect Patriot League team that they're – they don't have, like, incredible skill guys, but they're just, like, not going to make mistakes. And if you make mistakes, they're going to, like, beat you and then lose by 25 the next round. And you're just going to be mad for months. So they're if once they get in the playoffs, they're going to be a, an annoying out. They were they were running a two quarterback system for a bit of the UConn game. Yeah, it was bad, and it was hilarious to watch because one of them was just vastly superior to the other, and like their offense would do nothing for, um, like two drives in a row when the other quarter, and then they would bring in I think his name was like Skullman or it started with it was like a weird S name. Yes. He would bring him in, and then he would just, like, run the ball. Like, he could just rush it, and UConn didn't know how to stop that. It was – I watched a lot of this game because I bet on that game. I bet Holy Cross money line. I was really <laughs> enjoying myself. But it was a – UConn's quarterback is terrible. 
Uh-huh. I mean, that guy's going out there just gunslinging. Like, he's going to hit one or two of those, and then, like, some are going to be interceptions. Some, he's just completely oblivious to a, a rusher coming from behind. Like, obvious strip sacks in that game. It was awesome to watch. Holy Cross took advantage of, of dumb mistakes. They had a defensive line interception where the guy then made a little cutback move and just discarded the quarterback with a one-arm shove. It was awesome. It started because the quarterback threw it at his (laughs) offensive lineman's helmet, and then it just bounced into the – and there was a screen pass earlier in the game where you see the defensive lineman just completely shed off his block and is just running at the quarterback, and the quarterback locks eyes with him and just guns it at his (laughs) chest. And then the defensive lineman should have caught it. Like – I know he's a defensive lineman, but it's just, how does the quarterback see that and go, you know what I'm going to do? Throw it right at him. One of the worst games I've ever seen in my life. At one point, a UConn coach was yelling at his team, tried to fire him up, and then he put his hand up in the air for them to all like huddle up with him and break it, and no one did. Saw that on Twitter. It was one of the best things I've ever seen. Uh, Randy Edsel then, after the game, like a day or two later, announced he's going to retire at the end of the season, then changes it shortly after that. He's out now at UConn. So his final UConn game. Wait, really? He, I didn't see I didn't see that update. I just saw yes. that he was – what? He, cha- he changed his mind, which I imagine was UConn being like, why don't you just go? And he uh, he's gone. So the last game of the Randy Edsel era was a just absolutely embarrassing loss on a beautiful day in Connecticut. The last two losses were embarrassing. I know Fresno State's they like stink. a sneaky good team. But, like, yeah. they got UConn, thrown off the field. They were U- just tossed aside. UConn would be a bottom-tier CAA team. Like, they they stink. <laughs> They'd be a bottom-tier FCS yeah. team. They lost They're to a horrible. Patriot League team, which, like – At home. At home. They're <laughs> and you have more scholarships. You have, like, 20 more yeah. scholarships than them. <laughs> They're so bad. It's really, honestly, impressive. But, no, I was impressed by the FCS overall. Had some good wins. I'm excited to see this year develop. I'm getting more and more excited about the schedule. I think the Weber State matchup is cool. Um, I think the playoffs have a chance to be really fun because I think it'll be up in the air this year. It normally feels like it's like JMU and North Dakota State. Now I feel like you've got Sam Houston, South Dakota State, North Dakota State, JMU. You can throw Delaware in if you want. I won't. Southern (laughs) Illinois. Like you got some teams. If you're throwing Southern Illinois in there, you have to throw Delaware in there. I think if you look at that. I'm missing someone at like three. What? No, maybe I'm not. Those are the teams. I feel like yeah. I'm missing someone who's a contender. Well, the stats perform. FCS top 25 came out yesterday. JMU is third. They received two oh, first place there. votes. Montana's there at four. Montana, that's yeah, yeah. they're good too. Um, but it's Sam Houston, South Dakota State, both contenders. JMU, Montana, after Montana took down Washington, those yeah. are both contenders. North Dakota State, always a contender. So you, the top five legitimately could win the national championship. And then you have Delaware, that. Eastern Washington, Southern Illinois, Weber at 10, um, and just like a few solid teams around there. Like teams that if everything broke their way, yeah, could win it, um, but like wouldn't be able to win it on their own. I wish there was a little more juice on the East Coast. I'll say that. That's pretty uh, Western half of the U.S. heavy. I don't know, man. You got Villanova, you got Richmond, you got UConn, you got Holy Cross. I mean, these are like the goats of FCS football. Just, yeah, I guess you got Delaware that'll maybe lurk around for a little bit. We'll see. Delaware's going to be a contender. Delaware's going to be a top six seed. You think so? When it's all said and done, I think the Valley's going to get just absolutely sucked off by the committee. (laughs) 
<laughs> when do they not? Richmond is right now number 25. Richmond really? is going to the playoffs after losing one game, and that one game is going to be to JMU, and a four-loss Missouri Valley team is going to make it. I'm excited for October 14th. That is two days before the Richmond game when we will hear stories about how Joe Mancuso is actually a little bit of a threat, and then he's going to throw for 137 yards and two picks and not do anything. You know who's going to start, though, saying that Joe Mancuso is going to be a threat? It's going to be me. It's going to yeah. be me. <laughs> It'll be you. I, I'm all in on the Mancuso. Your senior tournament. has actually an arm and is going to be able to pick apart the secondary and make the right choices. Fast forward three days, and we're talking about how he threw for 150 yards and three interceptions. It'd be fun if that game could be competitive, but – I hope I think we're going to have some in the six game slate here that are that are uh, somewhat competitive. So, do you think this main game is going to be competitive? What do you think Jamie needs to do to keep it competitive? I'm mean, not keep it competitive because they're the clearly. What does Maine need to do to keep it competitive? And do you see any weaknesses in JMU that Maine can exploit? I think they could probably test the secondary a little bit, maybe get some penalties or hit some deep shots. So. I would try to stretch the field. I mean, they ran for 48 yards against Delaware and averaged two yards a carry. So I can't imagine they're going to do a lot against JMU's front. So they're going to have to throw it well. And then you got to win the turnover battle or in special teams, like the block punt touchdown, that kind of thing is huge. But their quarterback threw two picks. Obviously doesn't help. I don't think it'll be all that competitive, but their, I guess, path to being competitive is kind of the Stony Brook model from a couple of years ago when they like murdered JMU with play action and just hit him over the middle with a bunch of, chunk plays yeah I, I like our linebackers this year that won't hopefully bite on you know every single yeah. one of those play that was that game was brutal to watch yeah it really was well I agree I think I think Jamie wins by at least two touchdowns I think Maine might keep it close in the first half you know it might be like 14-7 21-14 something like yeah. that going into the halftime and then they're just going to clamp down it is JMU's feast or famine. So it's on the secondary. So there may be like four drives, like in a row where they're moving the ball might not end in a touchdown, but they may move the ball past the 50 yard line, have some threats. And then all of a sudden there might be two drives in a row that end in picks. And then all of a sudden the momentum's with JMU and they're up three scores. So, yeah, we haven't played Bain in a while. I've been playing since 2017. I was at, I, that was one of the few JMU games I went to as a fan. Did you enjoy yourself? I was. That was actually the the first game that Lobster won. Really? Yeah, and they gave out lobster. Not gave out. It was like two dollar lobster rolls. Oh, that makes sense because me. Duh. <laughs> but uh, yeah. I mean, I don't. I don't have a ton of thoughts in this game. I think it'll be somewhat interesting, but I still think JMU is a better team. I will. Here's what I'll say: of the six game slate, this is the most boring of the six. Yeah. So. Let's just hope Jamie doesn't look ahead. I don't think they will because a conference game is extremely important. Um, but let's yeah. just hope they don't look ahead. You got anything else you want to say? Pick them. Yeah, you are winning by one game, and I would let the record reflect. I went nine and one. My one game was really just a pick with the heart, throw away. <laughs> we were probably losing that game. Gage Maloney struggled against Rhode Island, folks. He struggled against Rhode Island. Like let that let that sentence sit. He struggled against Rhode Island. I will say his skill guys, I can't imagine, are all that good. But they appeared to use two quarterbacks. I don't know the reasoning there. But Gage was sort of a two-quarterback system. So not ideal. They lost 45-21. to 21. Uh, I expected more out of the Bryant defense, honestly. They've, they've long been known 
As are, they, are they? Are they? I didn't even know they were an FCS football team. As, yeah, Brian. They've long been known as a good defensive program, okay. so I was shocked by that result. You know but, what? You know what really shocked me? Was it that the undercuffler stunk? Um, no, I knew that one. Knew that going into it. He's a bad quarterback. Um, William and Mary's offense is just non non-existent. I will say Hollis Mathis didn't play at all against Virginia, and that running back is out. So they used a like a I think a true freshman quarterback, and uh, that was not working. <laughs> so they need Mathis back desperately to be somewhat competitive. Also, Elon almost pulled off the win over Wofford. Almost before a win over a team like they probably should be at home. But I, I nailed that pick. That's a great pick for me. Right. And the other, one right. we differed, the other one we differed on that was kind of an interesting game, actually, was New Hampshire-Stony Brook. New Hampshire won 27-21, but they kind of got lucky. They got up early. They had two touchdown drives of five yards or fewer because Stony Brook was basically just shooting itself repeatedly in the foot and then almost came back. I don't think either of those teams are very impressive. No, I've been low on New Hampshire since uh, yeah. they lost to Albany last year and they look bad. And then we learned that all they only played one game last spring. And then we learned that Albany was a bad team. And so that made that loss look even worse. And coming into this season, I was seeing people kind of high on New Hampshire. I'm not high on them. They they they're good. They they're good. They're well coached and they have like guys. They're like a Patriot League team. Like they're going to play mistake-free football, and they're going to make you pay for your mistakes. I think Towson, North Dakota State, was a little underwhelming. So two weeks from now, Towson's got a great shot to knock off the Bison at home. That's a game that I, th- I imagine the Towson faithful will show off. I will say North Dakota State winning 28-6 to was surprising because I thought they would beat Albany more. They seem to keep it vanilla. They only threw the ball 19 times. Jesus, North Dakota State, what are you 14 doing? for 19, too. Like, Patterson was, like, efficient but it seemed like they were keeping it pretty bland and just getting out of there with a win. All right, whatever. Okay, moving ahead to this week, we got Stony Brook at Colgate. We know how CAA teams fare when they go to Colgate. Colgate's a tough place to play. They had a a heck of a showing. They went up uh, against Boston College week one. They only lost 51 to nothing. Yeah, they actually went up early in that one, (laughs) 0-0. That's so true. They they were so strong at, at opening kick. Aside from that, they're supposed to be, I was looking, I think the worst team in the Patriot League. So what a fall from grace. What a fall. Dan Hunt, once considered a JMU coaching <laughs> candidate. Um, I'll take he wishes he took us up on that one. <laughs> I don't think he was lose to him one time. We're like, maybe we iron him. <laughs> uh, <I don't... laughs> well, we lost to Zignetti once and we hired him. <laughs> That's so true. I think he's a he was a better hire. Now I'll take Stony Brook. I don't think that game will be all that close. I agree. I, I'm still – I'm unabashedly high on Stony Brook for some reason. I just – You just like that coach. I just like their, like, oomph. Their vibe. Know? Yeah. All right, Lehigh-Richmond. Lehigh just got obliterated by Villanova. <laughs> um, and now they're playing Richmond. So who do you got? What was that nickname for the Stony Brook running back? Um, the Long Island Express. Oh my God. I love Stony Brook. Um, <laughs> I'll take Richmond, man. Cuso. I think that, did they start slowing that game? They no, did. Well, they kind did. of, kind of. Yeah. It was well, our whatever. friend Dom was texting us and he was making it seem like they were losing to Howard, but they but always they had really. like a two possession lead. Yeah. Mancuso threw for two ninety three, two touchdowns, no interceptions. Also three carries 54 yards and a touchdown. Oh my God. Start the Mancuso hype train, baby. I'm taking him. Um, 
Richmond is 25th. They're ranked um, 25th. So. Number two. I pick Richmond as well. Maine, JMU. Richmond's sneaky. I'll take JMU. We got to do a score for this bad boy. I said 100 to three last week, which was not very close. Although second half pace, they were on pace. <laughs> on pace for 100 to <laughs> 102 to 14. So you still you, can wrong. you imagine? I would have started crying. Um, I'll take them. I'm going to say they win it. 40, 45 to 17. I think they're going to spank them. Wow. If you yeah, look I, at the history of this game. It's normally like more of a grinder. Yeah. I, the fact <laughs> that like of the last three games, 31 points is the highest scored. Um, I think JMU wins this one 31-17. Fair enough. Um, next up we got Towson, New Hampshire. Oh, wow. I hate this pick. It's at New Hampshire, too. It is at New Hampshire. I, I don't think New Hampshire is that good. Um, Towson, though, they played one game. They beat Morgan State 31 and nothing. But, like, they haven't played a lot of football recently because they opted out of the spring. Uh, I'm just going to take New Hampshire almost solely based on the location of the game. I'm going to go Towson. Here's a, here's a trivia question for you. Can you name Towson's starting quarterback? It was that pass kid, and then he transferred, and then it's a I forgot. I wrote it in my CA Power Rankings preseason. Chris Ferguson, they got the former main guy. Yeah, that's right. I he played pretty he, well week one. Hasn't he transferred like fifteen times? He too? spent. He, I think he spent like the fall with Liberty or something. Yeah, because it it was weird. And then he's he's back. Yeah. But they uh they didn't run the ball that well, which has me a little concerned. So I'll take New Hampshire. Yeah, I'm just really low on New Hampshire. Lafayette, William and Mary. You don't know where Lafayette sits on Patriot League train. I do know that William Mary's not great. Hollis Mathis don't know where he's at health wise. I'm still gonna say William Mary wins. I think Mike London will have them kind of improving. And I think playing a team that is not Virginia and is Lafayette will be kind of a, a nice change of pace for them. I'm going to go William & Mary, too. If Hollis Mathis plays, I think it might be – I'm really high yeah, on Hollis Mathis. He's really I, good. I think they're going to win it handily. I don't know how good Lafayette is. Full but they're not Holy Cross, so they can't be elite. Yeah. All right, Bucknell, Villanova. Villanova should win this game comfortably. I agree. St. Francis, Delaware. That's a great question. This is this was a tough playoff game. Oh, this was the one they had in the play. No, they was Sacred Heart, wasn't it? Or was it St. Francis? I honestly don't remember. It was. Uh, it was. Uh, let me just stall. It's like, I, I might be. <laughs> Sacred Heart might have been it. Actually, I just get all those like. I'm now also confused. <laughs> I like to think that it was this game, though. I think you were right, though. I think it was Sacred Heart. Well, I'm going to pretend it was. It was Sacred Heart. Oh, damn it. All right, I'll take Delaware by a lot. I think they'll bounce back. They're playing at home. Uh, the Delaware fans, they've been waiting so long for Nolan and company to come back home, open the season on the road. They love this program. They love to show out. All Aren't they, the, like, really old? Yeah, like Delaware. Really, yeah, like 85. <laughs> like Joe Biden's. I'll, <laughs> I'll take them to win, though. I still think they're a good team. I don't – I want to – do they ever play a tough game? Yeah, they play Rutgers the, the week after. You're going to take them to beat Rutgers? Are they? They play them on the 18th. Isn't Rutgers like kind of good again? 
Yeah, they beat Temple like 61 to 14. <laughs> yeah, they're not. <laughs> Delaware is lucky if they hold them to 50. Um, I picked Delaware too. Uh, Elon Campbell. Oh, this is a good, this is going to be a good barometer to see how good uh, Campbell's got. The Camels are going to be later yeah. on in the season. I'll take Elon. I think Elon bounces back from a terrible, not a terrible loss, but a two point loss to Wofford. I'll, I'll say they find a way to, to grit out a win. Davis Cheek, an NFL prospect. <laughs> So, you know, Campbell, they play in the Big South. They're kind of, you know, that that classic. You're, you're absolutely looking up how Cam- how good Campbell's supposed to be. This is a stall tactic. <laughs> um, and, you know, they already you lost. You know Campbell and then just names their conference affiliation. <laughs> they already lost, you know, 48-7 Liberty last year. They didn't win a single game in the spring. Um, with that They're being bad. said, I, too, am going to go Elon. Yikes. That's not a great game. The state of uh, North Carolina is going to be very excited for that one. Rhode Island at Albany. The last com- the last game of the weekend is a conference game. It's at Albany. It's the undercuffler. It's the Smith man. Who do you got? Oh, <laughs> I don't even know the Smith Oh, you know, man. The, the Hill man. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, they have, they have, what is it? Taysom Hill, Kaysom Hill. <laughs> so... <laughs> I, didn't he play well in the first game against Bryant? I think he did. His stats look pretty good from what I was. He's a good quarterback. Yeah, I'll take them to win. You've told me they're good, so I will believe you, and I will take them to beat an Albany team that I don't think is very – yeah, Kaysom Hill absolutely lit up. Um, yeah, he lit up Bryant. Yeah, so this is the long game. I've actually been hyping up Rhode Island for this exact moment. Really? But, no, I'm going Rhode Island. <laughs> what okay. if I did? And I was like, that would have been oh. kind of hilarious. Um, yeah, so that's it. You're wow. nine and one. I'm eight and two. Really strong start. What are our differences? Is it only one? It was the Wofford Elon game. No, this week. Oh. Towson, New Hampshire? One. Which one was it? Towson, New Hampshire, I think, right? Yeah, you, yeah, got yeah, the, yeah. you got the guys who are too scared to play football, and I got the boys who, who suit up every week. Um, Except they <coughs> last year, they left after one game. <laughs> I totally forgot about that. <laughs> so well this is a battle. This is a battle of teams that opted out for safety reasons. This is a battle of quitters. Let's just call it what it is. <laughs> That's one way to word it. Here's a question for you. Just a little look ahead. Do you think Stony Brook will upset Oregon in week three? No. Mm. <laughs> I want more time. Oh, wow. The, the slate in week three is comical. JMU's got the Weber State game, which would be awesome. North Dakota State plays Towson. Stony Brook has to play Oregon. Delaware plays Rutgers. Elon plays Appalachian State. Got Albany going to Syracuse. Those are some big old L's. <laughs> also, can we talk about how the FCS media is hyping up the wins this last week, but completely forgetting that they also lost to two D2 schools? Kind of amazing. God. I love the FCS. We got to hit a little Olympic sport roundup. Yes, we do. I haven't paid enough attention. Uh, women's soccer had a really challenging schedule, so they've played like six ACC teams. They are one in four with three of the losses coming to ACC teams, so that's not ideal. But uh, once the schedule gets better, I think they'll have a chance to be pretty good. Yeah, uh, Jamie Field Hockey, number 24 in the coaches' poll. They're pretty good. Took a, took a loss to Old Dominion, but other than that, they've looked pretty solid. Old Dominion's a good team, though, that's right? It's a very good team, yeah. Yeah. Um, DeLauder, this is baseball. This is spring sports kind of moving over. Uh, he, I think he's sixth in like national crazy. 
he's like a top tier MLB prospect, and and JMU's going to find a way to finish below five hundred regardless. Yep. He's going to bat four fifty with like fifteen <laughs> home runs and just like an OPS of like one three, one point three or some shit. And they're going to just he's going to get on base eighty percent of the time. Whatever, whatever, whatever. Women's golf opened against Penn State. Uh, according to this headline, they opened strong. Then it's high on the, the women's golf. Oh, team. yeah. I forgot about how high I am on them. JMU notes from the course. They set a new program record for 36-hole scoring. Really? Uh, they combined for plus four. They, they shot a 580 plus four on the uh, – which beat out the previous record, which was a 581. Keep grinding, kids. The second round was minus three, was the second best round ever posted by a JMU team. The only round better was the final round of the same River Landing Classic when the Dukes shot 277, which was minus 11. Laura Gomez Owens, Kate Owens, excuse me, posted her 16th and 17th career rounds of par or better on Saturday, leaving her just too shy of the program record. I believe Jason Kretsch. Did I pronounce his last name right? Crack. Crack. Sorry, Jason. Uh, really great coverage of the women's golf team. I love these. These are really solid. And uh, so, what she needs, yeah, she two rounds, two par or better rounds for I from shy from tying the program record. And she's a junior. So, like, would be rather shocking if she did not set that. Yeah. I mean, this team's good. They're going to have another good season. Absolutely. Men's soccer, they bounce back. Pretty nicely lost to Marshall six to one, but then they won their last two. They got Mason tonight on Tuesday night. Mason. That's an in-state rivalry. You know, they, they, they're getting up for that one. You win that one. You got to think the AAC is looking at JMU for all sports. No, big 12, man. That big 12, the SEC might say, Texas, go away. Grab JMU instead. Well, anything else? Yeah. Volleyball is pretty good. They're like five and one or something. So. <laughs> I guess we should go. Well, actually, if you never mind, they are five and one. Were you going to send them the newsletter that I don't do? No, I was not. That would have been funny. Yeah. I, oh, the, here's an announcement. I'm probably not going to do that. <laughs> <Due to time. laughs> no more newsletter? Nah, we'll see. Maybe if I change my mind on Sunday. <laughs> Maybe if you wake up and you're feeling right. Yeah, exactly. Because I was not this last week. I understand that. I mean, I'm. I don't know if I'm feeling righty for the CA power rankings. That's fair. But I'll write them eventually. I just got to do all the prep work for Charlotte. Oh, tell everyone what you're doing this weekend. Uh, if you guys want to watch some FCS, FBS action, check out uh, Charlotte football on ESPN plus ESPN three this weekend. They face yep. off with Gardner Webb. And if you don't get enough of my voice on this podcast, you can get more of my voice as I'm doing play by play for that game. Hell Yeah. Can't wait. Oh, yeah, brother. Well, for Ben Econo, my name's Jack Fitzpatrick. You guys have a wonderful rest of your day. See ya. See ya. See ya. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.
You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.